Good morning and welcome to Vertical Church Online. Come inside with us as we see that God works in ways that sometimes we don't expect. I recognize that. Those are some of our greatest songs from 2019. What a great year it's been here at Vertical. And hard to believe we're here on the last Sunday of this year, right? Last Sunday of the decade. How about that? That as well. Take that in for just a moment. Yeah, man, what a year it's been here at Vertical. We've seen God do so many great things. We have, uh, we've watched so many be baptized here on this stage. I don't know if you were here the Sunday that we had baptized. I don't remember how many it was, five or six on a, on a Sunday we baptized. Finishing up, and we're starting to do a, a closing song, and a young girl comes in and calls me to the back, and I talk with her, and she says, I want to be baptized. This is the only day I can get off work. I believe in Jesus Christ. I haven't been baptized. I want to be baptized. Can I be baptized? I said, well, sure. Do you have anything to change into? She said, no, but I want to be baptized. And we brought her up here, and we finished that service baptizing her that day. It was an amazing day. Yeah. But that day got crazier because we finished the service. Everyone starts picking up their stuff, moving. We're stacking chairs. A guy comes into the building who had talked to me sometime back about wanting to be baptized. He couldn't make it on that Sunday, but he came in the door. He said, I made it. I made it. Can I please be baptized? Please. I'm going to be moving soon. Can I please be baptized? Okay, come on. So we brought up on stage, called everybody back in, and we baptized him too that day. It was an exciting day. What a great year it has been watching people come to faith in Christ and people come alive in their faith in Christ as well. So we, we saw that happen this year. We saw six men licensed to ministry on this stage this year. That was moving as well. We've seen so many new families join our church, so many new families with children. Our children's ministry is just exploding and blossoming, and Mike is doing a great job with that upstairs as well. Our student ministry is growing. It's been a great year here at Vertical. I thought we would take a quick peek back at some of our series from this year. Some of you would say, oh, yeah, I remember that series. That's when I came to the church for the first time. Some of you will say, oh, man, I remember that series. That's when God worked in my heart in a really significant way. So back in January and February of this past year, we went through a series called Change Me. If you remember that, we talked about how uh, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he does this work of pruning in our lives. And we said, we will sit in the chair of change. We will sit in that chair to be changed, pruned, whatever you want to do to us, God, so that we can be fruitful for you. That was January and February. We got to uh, March and April, and boy, we took a trek up some mountains. We talked about what it was like to climb that mountain. And every one of us have places God is wanting to take us, and they are mountain peak experiences. They're places that require great faith, that require extreme trust, and they are their, their, their visions, their moves, their things that God wants to lead us to do in our life, and it takes great faith, and we talked about how to do that to reach new heights in our life. We got into May and June, and we started a different kind of series we've done here at Vertical. It was called Real Life, what it means to be made for deep impact, to make a difference in the people around us, to become fishers of men and women and students and children, to become those who are influential to those around us, that God has placed us in a sphere of influence for a purpose. And we all put together what we called our big fish list of catches that we were praying for God to work and bring about in, in their lives for his glory. That was May and June. That took us into July and August in the summer months. We talked about what it means to be choked, 
to get to the place where we've allowed some things in our life that keep us from experiencing the fullness of God's word. Some things that choke out the true riches. We talked about the danger of greed and jealousy and resentment and a, a host of other things. Weeds that can come into our garden, weeds that can come into our yard and choke out the life of God's word within us. That was in our summer months. We got to September and October, and I really think this was kind of one of the premier series for the year. It was the series, I Know a Ghost. I think there was something about that series and the teaching in it and the people's our response to it that really changed who Vertical was. We were no longer the same after that series. There was this freshness and aliveness and awareness of God's spirit in us and with us. So uh, so exciting every month to see those things happening, but especially in this series, to see so many fresh things that God was teaching and leading and guiding us in. And that brought us to November, our seeds of thanks. What it means to not just be thankful, but to plant seeds in the lives of others that causes them to be thankful. It's kind of a fresh look on the whole Thanksgiving season. And then we finish, of course, in this month with what it means to be Christmas present. And the fact that Jesus is present with us and what it means to be fully engaged and fully present in the moment. So here we are today at the end of 2019. Here we are today standing on the doorstep of 2020. And it's important standing in a moment like this that you're able to look back and look forward with eyes of faith. You know, it's funny... um, for me, I never expected to be the guy who'd be wearing glasses. I should have known. Both my parents wore glasses. But there was a, there was a time in which all of a sudden, uh, without these, I couldn't do very well. I couldn't read like I once did. I'm pushing books further and further away, and that's frustrating, and the computer's fuzzy, and you know I'm getting headaches, and I want to read, and I, I just, it's frustrating. I remember going to the eye doctor for the first time and thinking, this is such a weird experience, but I, I need this. I need to have my vision corrected because... The vision I've got right now is producing problems for me. And so here I am with trifocals. Man, so if you see me doing this a lot, I'm, I'm not just agreeing with myself. I'm trying to focus on you. So, But having your vision corrected is, is a necessary part of growth and aging, I guess. So the same is true for us as we mature in Christ. Faith is your spiritual vision. And it's important to have your spiritual vision sharp. It's important to see things as they truly are and not as you think they are. Not just to guess at, I think that says 30 for a speed limit. You know, you can't, you don't need to be guessing at those things. You need to know those things. You need to be able to see clearly. When it comes to walking with Christ, it's important to have clarity, understanding, and see as God wants you to see. If not, you will miss what he has for you. It's a funny thing about seeing life. There's something we all have about life. There's something that we all have as we look into 2020. And what we all have in common are expectations. We all have an expectation of what this next year will look like. Maybe you haven't written it down yet. Maybe you haven't had a conversation with anyone yet about it. But chances are you have expectations. An expectation about what life will be like in your home. 
what your relationships will be like, what your faith experience will be like, what will happen on your job, what your health will be like, expectations. So since we have those, it's important that we bring faith into those so that we can see clearly. If not, you'll find yourself walking into 2020 with some expectations and they don't pan out like you expected. And when expectations aren't met, we get upset, angry, frustrated, mistrusting even of God. But if I can bring faith into my expectations, faith into my view of 2020, then it will change my expectations and I can see as God wants me to see. I can see clearly. So our message today is called, What Did You Expect? I've talked to some people who would say, well, the thing you need to do is just not have expectations. If you can just do away with your expectations, then you'll find yourself more happy. Then you'll find yourself just surprised all the time at life. It's true, but if, if someone did away with all of their expectations, I'm not sure there'd be any life left in that person. You wouldn't have any passion, no joy, no direction, no faith at all in the mix. So the key is to not do away with my expectations. The key is to have the expectations that God wants me to have expectations of how he's going to work and what he's going to do. Because if I can align myself with those, then I can truly see clearly. So today we're going to look at a single verse from the Old Testament, from a book I don't think I've preached from here at Vertical. It's the Old Testament book of Zechariah. So if you want to turn there, uh, it's easy to spell, starts with a Z. So Zechariah, if you're looking in your app, uh, looking in the Old Testament, it's near the New Testament, Zechariah. This guy has written uh, some 500 years before Jesus shows up, 500 years. It's at a time when the people of God have not been doing so well. In fact, they had walked away from him in their true love for him and devotion for him. And God had made a promise to his Old Testament uh, followers and, and saints. He said, look, if you'll obey me and walk in my ways, I will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be the lead, not the end. I'll bless you when you come in, when you go out. I'll bless you wherever you go. And they got to the place where they weren't doing that. And then so God brought about what he also promised in the Old Testament. If you do not follow me, then I will make you the tail and not the head. And wherever you go, you're going to experience frustration. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to not have what you need to have. And they had been walking in that a long time. In fact, it got so bad that them as a people were captured by another nation and made slaves as a people. They were taken out of their land. They lost the temple as the center of their worship. In other words, the center of their lives was no longer God. They'd become slaves somewhere else. You get into Zechariah and you find that they have cried out in deep repentance and said, God, we have blown it. You have been true to your word. You did exactly what you said you were going to do, and we have not been true. Please forgive us, restore us, take us back. And they begin the process. They're back in their land. They're back rebuilding the temple. Things are beginning to happen 
but it hasn't all unfolded yet. And it's not happening in the time that they thought. It's not happening in the way that they thought. It's not happening as quickly as they thought. In fact, in, in that day, they looked at what was happening around them and they said, this is the day of small things. God's doing little things, not big things. And they were beginning to be discouraged. I think we could probably relate to those folks because all of us have some things that we have yet to see full answers from in our prayers. Amen? There's things that we're all still praying and hoping and believing and wanting to see come to pass. There's things about your marriage, your family, your kids, your job, your life, your health, all of those kind of things. There are things you're still praying and saying, God, please, when, how long, Lord? I want to see big things. It seems like a day of small things. And sometimes you might even get discouraged. Maybe you look back at 2019 and you say, it was a year of small things. Some things happen. Not as many big things as I want. Zechariah writes to encourage those believers. And in one verse today, we're going to see kind of his big punch that became powerful for them and I believe will be powerful for us. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. We'll break it down a little at a time. It says this first. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Mm. Now that's an interesting way to start an encouragement especially when things haven't been going so well. Things are not going well, and someone tells you, hey, you should worship, you should be glad, you should shout, you should be joyful, and you say, you should be quiet, because it doesn't feel like that right now. Right? You ever been in those kind of moments before? And you think, I don't know if I want to do that. That feels absolutely fake to do that. I'm not happy right now. Things aren't working out right now. Why in the world should I rejoice? Why should I shout? Why should I sing? I don't feel like singing. Things are not going well right now. And I don't want to fake it. I get it. I get it. But nowhere in this verse do you see Zacharias say, fake it. He doesn't say, Fake it till you make it. He doesn't say pretend it. He doesn't say put on a show on Sunday, get back and grovel on Monday. He doesn't say that here. He says in where you live now, in the day of small things, in the time when it's still not yet what you want it to be, Don't let your circumstances drive your faith. Let your faith drive your circumstances and who you are. Boy, it's so easy to get to be the other way around. To let what's going on in the circumstances affect your heart. Affect your emotions. Affect your thinking. And let your circumstances drive your heart. And say, well, if things get better, I might... I might shout. Things get better, I might be glad, but I'm not glad now. You see, Zechariah understood something that he was trying to get the people to see. When we look ahead at our future, don't look 
through glasses that are not clear. Don't look through the glasses of your circumstances. Look through the glasses of faith. Put on the glasses that shows you who God is, not what your scene is, and then begin to worship him for who he is, not where you are. It was a way of Zacharias saying, look, there, there's coming some change. And I want your faith to be so strong, your faith to be so deep, your faith to be so rich, your sense of trusting God to be so personal, so deep and strong that you say, you know what? I'm so confident that God is for me, with me, and going to show up soon that I'm going to worship him like he's already done it. I'm going to shout. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to let my faith drive me instead of letting me drive my faith. You understand? There's a difference there. I love what he says there about how he describes the people, though. He says, you should rejoice greatly. Daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem. Zion was another name for Jerusalem, the great city of God and the great people of God. But it's fascinating the fact that he uses the word daughter here. He didn't say servants. He didn't say sons. He didn't say people. He says daughter. Interesting choice. In spite of all they had done, where they had been, in being unfaithful, disobedient, God refers to his people as daughter. Now, if you're a dad and you've had daughters, you know that there's something unique about that relationship. There's something different about a dad to daughter from a dad to son. Not that one's better than the other, it's just different. And a dad to a daughter is a relationship where there's a different kind of connection. There's this connection of heart. There's this connection of trust. There's this connection of closeness and a longing for closeness from both sides that different than a dad to a son. And so for Zechariah to use this term, daughter, for a people who had been disobedient, says a lot about the heart of God for his people. I view you as a daughter, and I want you to be filled with worship. I want your heart to be free. God didn't need them to worship him so he could feel better about himself. He wanted them to be free so they could worship And he says, I want you to rejoice. I want you to shout. I want you to live at peace. I want you to live with eyes of faith as you look into the future. I want you to rejoice. This is not fake. This is great faith. There's a difference between fake and faith. You might see someone worshiping near you here on a Sunday morning and think, know about all that stuff. How can anybody be that happy? How can anybody be that glad for what's going on in their life? What, do they not have problems like me? What, do they not have bills? What, do they not have 
conflict in their family? What, do they not have any problems? Or I bet they're just perfect. Or they're just faking it. You know, anybody ever had those conversations in your head this morning? I mean, any morning here? Yeah, nobody's going to admit that one. It happens. I, I know it does. I've been on that end of the stick before. But look, there is a place of not being fake, but of being full of faith that says, you know what? I'm in a situation right now that's not where I want to be. There is some conflict. There are bills. There is tension. There are unanswered prayers. There's struggle. There's struggle with work, struggle with income. But I'm not going to live under that. I am going to live under the awareness that God is my king. Amen? That's different. That's not faking it when I sing in the midst of my struggles. That's faith in it. That's faith in it. That's me believing my God is going to come through. I may be in a hard spot now, but that's the kind of spot he shows up in. Amen? So I'm going to rejoice greatly. I'm not just going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice greatly. I'm going over the top with this deal. I'm going to shout. I'm not going to whisper. I'm not going to mumble. I will not be kept back. I will not be held down. I'm going to shout even before it happens. Amen? I'm going to worship because that is actually going to help me build my faith. That's going to help me get some confidence in what I believe. And that is actually going to cause the breakthrough to happen. Amen? Hey, this is all just the first part of the verse here. The next part says this. He says, here's the reason why you can rejoice. Here's why you can shout. Here it is. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Now, you got to remember, these folks have been in a, in a land where the king was not good. They've been in a land where the king enslaved them. They've been in a place where the king tortured them. They were in a place where the king took people's lives. And so here's Zechariah saying, look, I want you to start rejoicing because something's about to happen. You should have confidence in your God because he is a king as well. And he's not like the kings you've seen before. He's not like the kings who have treated you so harshly. He is a good king. He is a great king. He's a powerful king. He's a king above all kings. There's no king like him. And Zechariah says, look, behold, open your eyes. Don't look at your situations. Open your eyes. Don't look at your circumstances. Open your eyes. Don't get caught wallowing in where you are. Open your eyes and look. Your king is coming to you. Mm. And he puts some emphasis on the action here. He says, is coming. That means the movement has started. He's already started on his way. He's making progress. He's on his way. He's not just moving. He says, is coming to you. It gets very personal, very specific. There is a king. He is good. And he is moving. He is active. He has purpose. And he is coming to you. In your need, in your unanswered questions, in your struggle, he is coming to you. 
And then he describes the king. He says, this king, he's not like other kings. You see, this king, he is just. Just. In other words, he is righteous. He doesn't do things out of selfish, greedy motivations. He is righteous in all that he does. What he does is perfect. What he does is for a purpose. What he does is without mixed motives. He's not going to do something for you so you can get something for himself. He's not into that. He is a king who does what he does out of who he is, and it's for you. This king is coming, and he is just, and he is righteous. And so in all the situations, he would say to these people where you are being taken advantage of, where you haven't seen your answers yet, where people are trying to slight you, and they are slighting you, where people are taking advantage of you, and you're wondering, where is the judge? Where is the reconciler? Where is the one who's going to make all things right? Oh, he's coming. He's the king, and he's coming. All those situations you keep waiting for. Well, when is this ever going to be made right? Don't you know how much I've done, how much I have suffered, how much I'm going through? When is something going to come and make all things right? Oh, he's coming. Behold, behold, the king is coming, and he is just, and he's not just just. He is just, and he's having salvation. In other words, he is bringing deliverance. He is coming to rescue. He is coming to set you free. He is coming to liberate you. He is moving. He sees. He knows. He's advancing. He's moving forward. Get ready. Start celebrating. Start shouting. Rejoicing. Anticipate. Worship in anticipation. Worship in advance. Worship before it's happened. Believe before it happens because he's coming. This is what you and I are called to live in. This is how we live. This is not just an Old Testament thing. This is a truth. And truth applies throughout eternity. This king is coming. This king is active. This king liberates. There is no situation in your life, I don't care what it is today, whether it's health, marriage, relationships, finances, you name it, job, there is not a single one of those or something in your heart. There's not a single one of those that he can't walk right into and be your liberation. Be what sets you free. Be what changes you. Now, it may not change your circumstance, but he'll change you in the circumstance. He's the liberator. He's the rescuer. He'll come rescue your heart when you're in a situation that you can't get out of, and he'll set you free when you can't get out of it. He'll set you free here, even in the situation. Now, yeah, that's for another story, another day, another time. This is our king. This is what he does. He comes to liberate. He comes to rescue. He comes to set free. He's coming. He's on his way, and he's coming just, righteous, victorious, and he's coming with salvation. Now, these people who were living in Zechariah's day, they would hear this truth and they would hold to it. They would lock down on it and believe it and live in it. But this verse, as we were about to see, is a prophecy written about Jesus himself, the coming of Jesus And how long ago had this been written? Before Jesus? 500 years. 
most of these folks, if not all these folks, would never see the fulfillment of this prophecy. So it was a true prophecy. They would live in it, and God always fulfills what he promises. He would bring to pass this verse. Now, what's fascinating to me is having just read this much so far, what is already happening in the room right now is that we are all putting our expectations onto this verse. We are. You're starting to think about your life. You're starting to think about what's ahead. You're starting to think about 2020. And you're starting to dream a little bit, starting to pray a little bit. Okay, my king is coming. My king is just. My king is going to bring salvation. My king is going to rescue me. And mm, I think I might can see some ways he's going to do that. I can see some of that happening. You're getting some pretty good feelings right now. You're thinking through this, praying through this. Your faith's building, and you're getting some ideas, but you hadn't read the rest of the verse yet because they had some expectations about what this meant. They probably thought, ooh-wee, there's about to be a king come marching into town. There's about to be a king coming in on a chariot. There's about to be a king coming in on a stallion. There's about to be a king coming with an army. And man, is he going to execute some justice? And boy, is he going to set some captives free? Yeah, woo, expectations out the roof, right? Look what happens in the last part of this verse about this king that is coming. It says this, he's coming lowly. And he's riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Mm. That'll do something to your expectations. That'll mess with you a little bit. I thought he was coming to execute some justice. I thought he was coming to set some people free. Won't you need some swords? And won't you need some power? And won't you need some Big horses, and won't you need some chariots, and won't you need lots of money, and won't you need lots of power? And Zechariah says, look, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's a king, but I want you to be clear about how he's coming. He's coming lowly. Mm. He's coming humble. He's coming as a servant. He's coming different than you thought. He's coming not like kings come who are coming to take over. He's not coming like you might expect him. He's not coming in great power. He's not coming in great wealth, at least in earthly terms. He's not coming in great earthly majesty. That's not how he's going to come. He's going to come lowly. He's going to come riding a donkey. You see, God doesn't show up because you told him how to show up. He comes showing up in the way he's chosen to show up. And it's important for that reason to have your faith expectations clear. Or you'll miss him when he comes. The sad reality about this verse as a prophecy is that so many of the people, God's own people, generations later, God's own people who knew the law, God's own people who knew the sacrificial system, God's own people who knew the prophecies, when Jesus came riding in on a donkey, when he came in humble and lowly, when he came in as a servant, they looked at it and said, 
that doesn't look right. That's not what we were expecting. Yeah. And as a result, many of those people did not recognize Jesus when he was right in front of them. And the Bible says there are many still today, many Jews whose eyes are blinded because their expectation was for something completely different. And when your expectations are not in line, God will show up right in front of you and you'll miss him. Mm. We don't want to do that going into 2020. I don't want that to happen for us as a church. I wouldn't want that to happen for any of us here to miss God when he's right in front of us. It's interesting that he says he's coming on a donkey. A donkey. Donkeys are used for bearing burdens. Donkeys move slowly. Donkeys are not majestic. Donkeys smell funny. Donkeys look a little funny. Their proportions are not that of a great stallion. They're just a little different. You might think they're cute, but you wouldn't say, wow, what power? Look at that donkey. No one says that. No one says, wow, how beautiful. What a donkey. That's not what happens. We all kind of look at a donkey like, you poor thing, you know? You just didn't get what the horse got, you know? Donkeys don't show up in, in commercials, or they don't show up in the westerns with, you know, the Lone Ranger riding across, you know. He's not on a donkey. Donkeys are that way. It's interesting, though, if you study history, that there were times that leaders actually rode into a city on a donkey. Jesus was not the first to do that. But it's interesting why. See, great leaders, when they moved into a city or a region, they'd come to conquer, they rode on a horse. It was a symbol of great power. It was a symbol of dominance. It was a symbol of I've come to take over. But if a king or a leader came into a region, a city, riding on a donkey, it was a symbol that he had come to bring peace. And so Jesus shows up riding a donkey. I've come to bring peace. Now it's fascinating that it gets very specific and says it's a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's a, it's a young, young donkey. One that, in fact, as you, we find out later in the New Testament, that had never been ridden before. And what a beautiful picture of how Jesus comes to settle what's never been tamed, to settle what is wild to settle what wants to do its own thing, Jesus comes in, fulfills this prophecy, riding on what no one else could tame. And Jesus is riding in just comfortable style. He's low riding on that thing, riding up into town. He's, he's coming on in. He comes in on a donkey. And so Zachariah is saying, let me give you some hope as you look forward. I want you to go ahead and start worshiping Zacharias says, I want to build your faith. Go ahead and worship with some anticipation that this is going to come to pass. And go ahead and, and open your eyes and look 
because there's a king coming. But know this, that this king is not going to come like you think. He's going to come on a donkey. So, to make some very personal application for us, as we stand on the doorstep of 2020, and we're about to walk in to it, this verse becomes powerful to us. I would say to us a few points. Number one being this. As you enter a new year, have faith-driven expectations. Let faith drive what happens this year. Did you know that God is at work in you and he is going to bring circumstances, people, situations into your life that will shape you into the very image of his son, Jesus Christ? That's his goal. He is changing you to look like his son. So you can be confident he's going to use those circumstances. Nothing's going to come into your life this year that hasn't come through his hand for your purposes and his glory. So you can go ahead and know in advance. You don't have to wait and say, you know, I'm going to wait till about May before I really start worshiping and seeing how this thing goes. I'm just going to wait until I can see how things play out and then I'll decide if I'm going to be happy about it or not, whether my faith's going to be real. No, I'm going to, instead, I'm going to faith this thing up front. I'm going to worship as though it's already done now because I trust my God, not circumstances. Amen? I trust my God, not my feelings. Amen? I trust my God, not anything about the circumstances, people around me. I trust in him. I'm going to go ahead and worship in advance. I'm not going to be fake. I'm going to be passionate in advance. I'm going to be hopeful in advance because I trust my God. Second thing is remember who you belong to. You are sons and daughters of the king above all kings. He loves you. He rules over all. He has not left you, nor will he leave you. You can trust him this year. You can hold to his promises and know that he has an inheritance for you. He has blessing for you, and he is coming to you to work on your behalf and for his glory. And then I'd say to you, don't get caught up and how life begins to unfold. So let's say we get into this new year. Maybe you're into January 20th. Maybe it's February 10th before something happens like this. And all of a sudden, something comes walking into your life that is not at all what you thought it was going to be. And it might as well just be a donkey. Because <laughs> it's not what you planned for. It's not what you wanted. And it, it looks funny. It's not what you were looking for. It smells funny. It's not at all what you were hoping for. It's slow moving. It's stubborn. It won't leave, but it has come up into your life. And it's there. And now you don't know what to do with it. It's a donkey. Donkey moments are probably going to happen for this next year. You might as well just put that on your list of things to do for 2020. Get ready for donkey moments. They're going to happen. Donkeys are going to come into your life. Donkeys are going to not look like what you planned, smell like what you wanted. They're going to sound different. They're going to be a little bit of an obnoxious element to your life. But don't get caught up in the fact that it's a donkey. Don't get caught up in the fact that it's a donkey. Because in this passage, it's not the donkey that this thing is all about. What it's all about is the one riding on a donkey. Yeah, that changes some things. 
So when you see a donkey coming, don't start looking at them big floppy ears. Don't start looking at his low rider back. Just start looking at the one who's riding on the donkey. Your king has come to you. And he's the king who's righteous. He's the king who's just. He's the king who has salvation. He's the one who is riding on the donkey. Look at the one who's riding. Look at the one who's reigning. Look at the one who's tamed what had never been tamed before. Look at the one who's on it. Look at the one who has power. Look at the one who has the ability to settle the circumstances. That's where you got to keep your eyes. Look, behold your king. Zechariah didn't say, look, look at that funky donkey. That's not what he said. He said, behold your king. He's riding on the donkey. Don't look this year at your circumstances and call it donkey. Call it what it is. It's the thing that the king is riding on. It's the king who has authority over it. He's reigning over it. You may find a situation come up with your job this next year where you lose it. And you say, donkey. And in that moment, don't look at the donkey. Look at your king who reigns and rides above. You may have some other kind of circumstance coming to your life this year. Don't get caught up in the donkey. Because see, here's what happens. We get caught up in the donkey and we miss the king. But if you get your eyes on the king who's riding on the donkey... It'll change the way you see the donkey. All of a sudden, you'll think, that is the cutest donkey. Because my king is on it. I kind of like that donkey because my king is on it. I kind of like that donkey. He's got some funny looking ears and I'm not sure I like his smell, but boy, my king is riding that donkey. Come here, donkey. Come on, boy. Here. All of a sudden... That donkey is the grandest thing you've ever seen because your king is riding on it. Amen? So this year, as we look into a brand new year, let's have faith going in. Let's have faith that even when a circumstance doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like, that your king is over it. And your king reigns. And your king is good. And he's promised he'll be there. He'll promise, he's promised he'll work. And so keep your eyes on him. Amen? Now you might be a little startled at all this this morning. You might be a little shocked at all of a sudden this awareness. And you might think, oh God, you're so good. Your truth is so right. And you might think, how do I even take all this in? The way you take it in is by reminding yourself, I am a daughter of the King. I belong to Him, and He loves me. And because of that, He's coming. He's good. And He'll work. After all, what did you expect? You belong to the king. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you this morning that there's nothing that can come into our life that hasn't come first through your heart and your hands. 
I thank you that because of a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, we are secure, we are loved, and we can have bold faith. We don't have to wait to see it happen. We can trust you so deeply that we can actually thank you before it happens. We can worship you in advance. We can rejoice before we see it because we know it'll be true. I thank you for a doorway into a new year filled with things that we can't even fully imagine. But I thank you that whatever comes riding into that year, you will have reigned on it and ruled over it and you'll use it in our lives and you'll show up maybe even in ways we hadn't expected. And when it happens, we'll keep our eyes on you and not on the thing. We'll keep our eyes on the one who reigns above and not on what happens. And we'll worship you in advance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a great Sunday as we saw how God works in unexpected ways. I want to encourage all of us to look out in 2020 to watch how God works and see that He works in unexpected ways. Please like this video and subscribe, and we'll see you next year.